Okay, hi, hello, thank you for stepping in, giving us a visit today. You might wondering what we're, you might wondering. You oh, might no, wondering, no, that's no. already a good start for the episode. Oh, that's, that's so good, that's great, I'm really proud of myself. You might be wondering, what are we doing here today? We are back on the road to Radiant Black. We have two titles, they are a follow-up to the... We're near the end too, the... we're yeah. near the end too. Yeah, we're, 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 we're at the end. This is the final Excellent. episode. Dang. What better okay. way to, to, to close out this series than a uh, bonus episode about Ultraman comics? Basically just ending this where we started. Yeah, that was one of the first ones we did, right? Yeah, it was one of the first episodes of the show entirely that we did. Excellent. Yeah, and I didn't have any ultra experience under my belt, and my how things have changed. Our astute listeners will recall I have made a solemn vow to watch every episode in the Ultraman franchise before I die. And, you know, we're making some progress. Yeah. Yeah, towards the death thing or the watching every Ultraman thing? Hey, why not both? Mmm. Mmm. So, Salt, what are we covering today? We have two books in the Ultraman focus. We are doing Trials of Ultraman and The Mystery of Ultra 7. These are the second and third volumes of Ultraman published under the Marvel banner. And to date, the last ones. Yeah, I mean, Mystery of Ultra 7 finished just about a year ago from when we're recording this. Um, and it was supposed to have a follow-up, but it... That follow-up hasn't materialized yet, so... Uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get the... into that more when we get there. How long was the gap between Trials and Mystery? Uh, I think less than a year. Oh, like, the, the gaps between these books aren't long, I'd say. Like, 2020 mm -hmm. was Rise of Ultraman, 2021 was Trials of Ultraman, and then 2022 to... January of 2023 was uh, Mystery of Ultra 7. Um, so if there was going to be, or if the follow-up, which was supposed to be the Marvel Heroes crossover volume, uh, was going to happen, it should have happened by now. All right. Well, let's start with some series credits. The This series, it's uh, five issues long. It's written by Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. We have art by Francesco Mana and colors by Espen Grundiaturn. We also have a couple of backup stories. We see Higgins and Groom scripting for both. Uh, the first one is called Rise to Fall. That has art by Eduardo Ferragato and colors by Marcello Costa. And then the last one is Kaiju Steps with art by Gurihiru. It's also worth noting it's also worth noting that the backups are only in the first issues of both these volumes. Mm. Well, actually, mm -hmm. all three of these volumes. Yeah, it's weird. I guess it's so mm. that they could justify, you know, like a 4.99 or 5.99 price tag on the first issue. Well, the way I imagine we do this is the structure we've been doing a lot recently where I'll synopsize each issue and then we'll bounce back and forth with our notes. But before we do that, is there anything else you want to add, Lan? Uh, oh, it's actually worth noting that by the time that Trials started, uh, Higgins had started doing Radiant Black. 
So this is the first post-Radiant Black uh, Ultraman volume that he's written. Mm. I think in the case of maybe the latter, there will be some, some more influence there. But yeah, something to keep in mind. Well, with that out of the way, let's start with issue one. We open with a bizarre flashback in the 1970s where some beachgoers are harassing a Vietnam War veteran. A few years later, the United Science Patrol gets their start neutralizing kaiju. We cut to the present day, and the USP announces their presence to the world. Meanwhile, Ultraman neutralizes a kaiju. Shin, our protagonist, checks in with his boss, who discourages him from revealing his ultra-identity to the world. All the news of kaiju seems to be putting the world on edge, with plenty of people shown doomsday prepping. The USP reveals to Shin that Dan Morobishi, who disappeared when Ultraman first showed up, has been revealed, but captured. Moroboshi. Oh, what did I say? You said Morobishi. Damn. All right. Well, we're just we're we're on the flub train today. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, what was up with that opening scene? I'm so glad you asked. I thought it was going to be one of those cold opens that would be explained later, but it has nothing to do with the rest of the issue. Yeah, it just shows up, it happens, and then you get nothing else. It it felt positively Ditko-esque, that, like, like taking that urban legend of people spitting on Vietnam War vets. I feel like their goal with it was to try and show like human malice, building yeah. up over the years but like there's there's got to be a better way of showing that yeah i mean politically it's bizarre and doesn't make sense and then in a storytelling sense you think you would have flashed back to a character that mattered like perhaps morheim the usp director yeah 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 very weird way to open this this issue do you want to start with any of your notes lynn yeah, uh, I think as always, Grundityern's uh, coloring style um, is good. It's really good. Uh, it's changed a bit since Rise. I actually did reread Rise prior to reading these two volumes, just to because it's been like a year and some, so you know, I had to remind myself of the details. Uh, but yeah, the the, the coloring's good. Uh, there's some panel lines here uh, that are a bit too thick for my tastes, but. I think overall the layouts are fairly good. Mano's doing a pretty good job here. I think the oddest thing, because these books seem to fold a lot of Ultraman lore, a lot of Ultraman uh, iconography uh, together, and it's weird that the USP has switched back to using the orange suits, which are evocative of like the uh, SSSP suits from the original Ultraman show uh, yeah. and there's no like explanation for it whatsoever it's just there now yeah there's a lot of funny juggling with the lore like the fact that Shin is re like rebooted to be of our era but Dan is like still a guy from the 1960s yeah it's it's it feels a little ham-fisted at times yeah, like, I think they were trying to do the whole man-out-of-time thing, but there yeah. isn't enough actual acknowledgement of, like, how he's reacting to this changed world for that to actually, you know, have any sort of, um, 
like weight, I guess. Yeah, he he's put in like strange situations throughout this, and it, Dan, Dan, like you said, doesn't really get to react too much. I'll be honest, I don't think Dan needed to be here for this up this entire volume. Like the entirety of trials, I don't think he needed to be here. Yeah, I think I agree. we could have had the Dan reveal at the end of this volume, and it probably would not have changed much about the composition of this volume. Um, we also get introduced to Shin's dad here, who's also of more or less equal importance. Like, I hated his dad, honestly. <laughs> Just, it, it felt so half-baked. Everything I, with honestly, him. Yeah. I sped read those pages. I, I just was not invested with the dad. And I think that's like one of my first big criticisms of this book is like Higgins' style of writing really excels with melodrama and that suits its suits itself well to a franchise like Power Rangers. But I don't see that as a organic fit for Ultraman. I don't associate Ultraman with a lot of that same type of melodrama. I don't know. I feel like there are various Ultraman seasons that are associated with melodrama, at least to a significant degree. Maybe not as cheesy as it is here, I think is the, the, the operative term here. But yeah, like it's, it's not a franchise that shies away from having that sort of tenseness amongst its, uh, amongst its cast. But but like I, I, here it's weird. It's it's yeah. not it's not it doesn't feel organic and at times it feels expository to the point where you wonder what Shin's dad's role is in this you know, aside from just being a lore dump and also in some cases a trauma dump. Yeah, he doesn't really go anywhere, does he? Yeah, like you get at most, you know, the the reveal that he sort of resents Shin for what happened with his brother, but like aside from that, he's not really like it, it feels cartoonish. It it doesn't feel thought out well enough. I have two more notes for this first issue, and uh the first was, you know, read reading this again it reminded me of the first volume. And I had completely forgotten the retcon that the, the kaiju are attracted to bad vibes. Yeah. It's like our, our yeah. malice and ill will that brings them here. And I was just thinking, like, okay, in the 66 series, they're just aliens that show up and monsters that pop up. And then in Shin Ultraman, it's part of this complex web of space politics. And I, I really would take either of those any day over this, like, bad vibes magnet it's funny because since the last time we read these comics you've watched Kamen Rider Zero One you've watched Shin Ultraman and you've watched a significant amount of Ultraman TV series uh mm. how do you think that's shaped your reaction to to this volume more than it probably would have had you not experienced any of those things like, had Absolutely. we just gone into Trials from the get-go back in ugh, 2022? 100%. Like, I have an idea of, like, what I want Ultraman to be. Like, I've seen mm. the different styles you can do it in. Like, I'm really far into Ultra 7. I loved it. I've, I've watched quite a bit of Ultraman Taro. I've watched all of Blazar. Like, they all kind of do a slightly different thing. And, and so now I want it, like, I want something that fits a mold kind of like that. 
Mm. And that's on me, you know? Yeah, because it's weird. Because I think the the comics should be doing something different from the shows. I think sure. there's ways to keep it interesting while not just repeating the shows. And especially in this case where it is adapting... You know, the original series, Ultra Q, Ultra 7, you get a bit of Ultraman, uh, a return of Ultraman in there. Um, Like, you have all these source materials or these source seasons to go off of. I think there is a lot more room for them to get more original with it. Um, And I think for me, I think it was partway through reading Mystery of Ultra 7 that I started comparing it to the Ultraman anime, like the, the Netflix anime. Because the Netflix anime goes a completely different direction too. Yeah, they all and look like Iron Man. I I can't make like it's, it's a suit it. thing. Yeah, okay. and it, it it is a it's different for sure. Um, I haven't really watched much of it outside of like a few episodes of the first season, but like it wasn't bad. Um, but I'm like that's what I mean is like I think the comics can do something different here. I think it just needs to be compelling. Which is not the it's not an easy thing to to ask out of any piece of media, really. But just want to note a little bit about the art here. Like, there's a scene with Shin and Ultraman conversing, and they're like walking up these stairs. It's sunset, and like it's just the, it's a really nice cohesion of writing and and art and color, like all coming together. It it, it is a moment that feels a little more. Uh, unique to this series and and it, it got me back in where i felt like a little detached from it i was like oh this is cool i could see where this could go and i will tell you now lan this first issue mm-hmm. was the only one that rubbed me the wrong way as soon as we got to issue two i was locked in i i really enjoyed the rest of this series i think i enjoyed trials a lot more than mystery and i think i enjoyed trials more than rise too i think it is definitely the best of the three volumes and i think a large part of that is because they quickly forget about like the whole q conspiracy thing and they just get right into you know we have kaiju that we need to deal with there's it like it starts to feel more like a classic Ultraman plot, and I think that's what makes it work. <laughs> it's like it feels like a very monster of the week kind of plot. Yeah. Speaking of the Q conspiracy, <laughs> issue two, uh, Shin connects with the USP to concoct a plan to rescue Dan, who has been kidnapped by what is essentially QAnon. Shin attempts New to Zealander sneak in with- QAnon. To be, to be specific here. <laughs> That's right. You've been listening to a preview of a Midnight Grappler Animals Patreon-exclusive episode. For access to the full episode, our entire back catalog, as well as voting rights for future episode ideas, subscribe now to the show at patreon.com slash midnightgrapplerinimals. And keep on grappling.